2: Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey guys, I wanted to let you know that our final episode of this season will be airing at the end of this week. It's an interview with Amanda Klutz about her new book, Live Your Life. But today we have a rerun for you. I personally love a rerun. You might not not love a rerun, but this is one of our best committed episodes ever. It's an interview with my friend Dory. You might know her from the Forever 35 podcast, and her husband, Matt. And in it, we talk about their long struggle with IVF, what it did to them as individuals, what it did to their marriage. And I'm running this episode today because Dory's new book is out in the world. It's called Thanks for Waiting, and it is a memoir about what happens when your coming of age comes a little bit later than you expected. It's wonderful and hilarious and witty and weird, kind of like Dory herself, and it's all about dating and friendships and marriage and pregnancy as an older mom and how achieving the milestones that you thought were so important— don't always happen on the timeline you imagined. I am very, very excited for everyone to read this book. And in the meantime, I just wanted to remind you all of Dorian Matt's beautiful love story. Enjoy. When you get married, people tell you that having a kid, actually raising it to be a productive human being is one of the most stressful things that can happen to your marriage. But what people don't tell you is that trying to make a baby, for a lot of us, completely sucks. When I didn't get pregnant right away, I felt like something was wrong with me. And I felt weirdly guilty about that, like my body was broken and not doing what I wanted it to do. And that was something I didn't talk about with anyone, not even Nick. Because we don't talk about these things, not enough. Women hardly talk about it, and men pretty much never talk about it at all. But my friend Dory and her husband Matt, they do talk about it. They've been through five rounds of fertility treatments. They've run the gauntlet of egg tests, sperm tests, and these goalposts that are constantly moving further and further away. Both of them are consistently poked and prodded. They get their hopes up, and crushed sometimes in the same day this is matt and dory
3: mentally no. i would say we are wearing thin we are wearing thin i've been uh emotionally exhausted through this uh, situation here i've been trying to keep up a brave front i'm like really i was like i'm just really like sad right now and dory's very sad and that makes me sad but I am, I am, just, um, I don't know, emotionally done with IVF.
4: It does feel like we're sort of at the end of a road. Mm. It feels like we're like our our options are are diminishing, partly because of financial reasons.
3: Oh, it's, we're done. I can't. We, I cannot put another fucking round on a credit card. We have not had a second of this marriage Mm debt-free it's insane yeah and we don't have a home and it's just like uh you get up every morning and you go "What, what what am i doing what is what is happening here why can't i just enjoy my time with my wife why do we have to constantly be dealing with debt ivf stress of works it's just like it's crazy to me this is crazy
2: I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. I've known Dory for a long time. We went to the same college, and then we both worked forever in newspapers, magazines, and on the internet in New York City. But I don't know Matt that well. Still, I kind of feel like I do because I've listened to hours and hours of their podcast, Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. So I know what they've gone through to try to make a baby, but you guys don't. So I asked them to give me a really quick synopsis of their baby-making history.
3: Round one, we got two healthy embryos? One. One healthy embryo.
4: Then we were like, we should do another round before we do an embryo transfer. So we did another round egg retrieval. Boom, round two. And then we were like, okay, we're doing embryo transfer. That embryo transfer didn't work at all. And then we do the hysteroscopy, and they're like, oh, you have a uterine septum. You have to have surgery to get this fixed. Then you have to wait at least two, maybe three more cycles before you can do another retrieval. We did the embryo transfer. They were like, you're slightly pregnant. There was really nothing there, but... Um, I had some of the pregnancy hormone. It was just terrible.
3: And then in February, we had to do the round. And I was like, I don't think this is going to be good. And then then it wasn't. It wasn't. That's where we're at right now. So,
2: yes, we're gearing up for number five. It's so much. But that catches us up to where we are right now. Let's back up for a second, though. Let's go back to the beginning of Matt and Dory. They met the old-fashioned way on Tinder.
5: There you
4: go.
2: Um,
4: Yeah, we met on Tinder, and it turned out we were living a block away from each other.
3: I'd split with my uh, longtime girlfriend uh, after like two and a half years. Then that was that. And then we met when I decided to go on Tinder for a weekend. I decided to give myself one weekend.
2: One weekend only.
3: Yeah, it was a flash sale.
2: Uh, It was a pop up. It
3: was it was a (laughs) Amazon deal of the day. But the deal was me. Uh, And uh, yeah, I just was like, I'll give it a whirl. I'll see what it's all about. And then Dory was the only person I messaged of the people that I matched with. And then from there, I think we were on a we were on a physical date the next Thursday, right?
4: But I almost didn't message Matt back because his message was like, hey, I've never done this before. Like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. Like, it was kind of, and I was like, oh, what a line. Yeah, that's really bad. Then I was like, well, he seemed cool and sweet. I guess I'll just message him back.
2: He was also like a block away. It's like the first time that Tinder's location services were like, "Yup, he's in your backyard right now.
4: So, yeah, so then we started dating, and and it it got pretty serious pretty quickly.
3: It was a whirlwind uh, romance, I guess. We sort of met and hit it off and then didn't spend a day apart, really, for for a long time.
4: Yeah. Um, He met my sister and her husband on our third date. Yep.
3: That was less than a week later.
2: So being in full courting mode, Matt said yes to the dinner date with the sister. The next Monday, Dory had a business trip to New York and Matt drove her to the airport. We've talked about this before. Driving someone to the airport is a pivotal moment in the beginning of any relationship. I don't need to play you that clip from when Harry met Sally again. But Matt took it a step further. He even took her car with him so he could move it for her so she'd avoid getting a ticket for alternate side of the street parking. I don't know about any of you, but I think moving someone's car on opposite side of the street parking day equals true love. And then Matt happened to get out of work a day earlier than he thought he was going to.
3: I was like, "Hey, I uh, suddenly have more time off than I thought." And then Dory's like, "Well, what if I got you a ticket on Miles?" So I then flew to New York uh, and and like stayed met with my closest Dory friends and met with <laughs> yeah but yeah I did.
2: So are we at ten days now?
3: Ten? We're at about yeah, no, we're honestly about like eight days, if that.
2: Yeah.
3: If oh that. no,
4: like
2: ten. It was like ten, ten?
4: days. Yeah. I um, mean, I had never done anything like this before. Nor had I.
3: No. It, it, the big, I think the big move was the New York trip, which was um, crazy.
4: But I was in a real like, well, fuck it, kind of yeah. mode, like.
3: And I was. That's when I sort of started to go. Oh, this, this is it. I guess this is how this works, huh? When you meet the one you're supposed to marry, that you're supposed to feel these feelings, right? And then, so we, I just sort of went with it.
2: That's the awesome thing about falling in love. All the cliches that you've thought were such bullshit all of your life are suddenly true. When it's right, it's right. You do tend to find a person when you're least expecting it. Like when you're on Tinder for a one-weekend-only flash sale. They moved in together after six months.
3: Yes. Some lease. Whose lease was ending?
4: Neither one of our leases were ending. So, yeah. So, you know, if you start talking about moving in together, you might end up moving in together sooner than you think.
2: So, yeah, they're engaged 10 months after they met.
3: We got married at the beautiful uh, Venetian Palazzo Resort in in, uh, in Las Vegas, Las Vegas Nevada. Nevada. It's really technically in paradise, Nevada, but they don't want anyone to know that.
4: I didn't want to have to get super obsessive about it. And we had a great time. We had a great wedding. I was like, it, it, there's, there's no way this could go wrong. We had an Elvis impersonator do a little show, surprise show at the reception. I mean, it, it was really... It, it was a hoot. It was a great time.
3: And I think that's great advice for any of the oldies out there who choose to get married old like uh, Dory and I. Just go find someone who does a lot of it and then just let them do most of it.
2: And right there, that's the benefit of getting married in your 30s. You tend to know what you want. You know how to get it. You're not afraid of trying to make anyone else happy. The downside is that you feel like you have to speed other things up, like having kids. How soon did you guys start talking? I mean, like after you met and then after you got married about making babies.
4: Oh, we had started talking about it before we got married.
3: We started trying before we got married. Yeah. To no avail. Although I did, I believe I said to Dory that I assumed we would have to do some sort of IVF. I said, I have, yeah, I haven't gotten anyone pregnant yet. So uh, I'm guessing we got to do something.
2: But I feel like most men haven't gotten someone pregnant. Like, that can't, be, that can't be the only indicator here. I was convinced that we would have to do IVF because I was old. Now, just to be clear, they weren't actually that old.
3: I feel old. <laughs> my joints are old. <laughs> uh, my heart is certainly that of a 70-year-old man. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm 30. How old were we when we got married? 32? You were 32. I was 32 and you were 38. 38.
4: Yeah. So you were a cougar.
3: She sure still am. is. I, I, say mean, I am.
4: I'm even more of a cougar now.
3: I'm really quite a. What am uh, I? I'm a, sh- a sugar, sugar, <laughs> sugar baby? What is that? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. The terminology escapes me. But yeah, I'm whatever that is.
2: So Dory was 38, and Matt was an old 32. He'd never gotten anyone pregnant before, which had convinced him, without any actual proof, that he had a low sperm count
3: i had been overweight for so long, I'm just, like, thinking to myself, oh, you're just—I've been cooking my testicles for years, for decades. So, you know, heat is not good. They need to be a couple degrees cooler than the inside of your body, hence the balls being on the outside of your body.
2: So around this time, Dory and Matt decide to launch a podcast about this whole trying-to-get-pregnant thing. They're like, if we're doing this, then we might as well talk about it because, like I said before— No one talks about it, and going on the internet and Googling any kinds of fertility or pregnancy problems is like a special kind of hell. It's just, if you've ever been there, you know that it is the absolute worst. So they launched this podcast called Dorian Matt's Excellent Adventure, and in this weird way, it made this terrible process easier for them to get through. That podcast became almost like therapy for them.
3: We have an open dialogue every week about it. That we happen to record, but it's there. We have a scheduled time every week to just sit down and talk.
4: How often do you get an hour a week where neither of you is on your phones, you're not watching TV, you're not doing something else, where you're just talking to each other, like unless you're in couples therapy? I think it's also been interesting to be processing it in real time. Like, we do this podcast in real time. We talk about what happened in the last week and how we're feeling at the present moment. Um, And, you know, I think there's pros and cons to that.
2: But I think in terms of our relationship, it's a pro. This is a clip from the podcast where Matt found out about his actual sperm count.
3: I thought it was going to be low. And I get the phone call in the writer's room. I go, oh, that's my results. And then I go and take the phone call downstairs. And I remember the doctor telling me, so we got your results and your count is a million. And I was just thrilled. I was like, this is great. A million of anything. It's a lot of things. It's a lot. He then follows that up with, uh, yes, yeah, so a normal is between 80 and 120 <laughs> million.
4: Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. But- you should laugh it up. <laughs>
2: And then after you measure the sperm and you start talking about the IVF, you need to go to a reproductive endocrinologist. Now, don't worry. I know it's really hard to keep all of these different doctors straight, but bear with me for a minute. The reproductive endocrinologist is where you get something called a semen analysis. This is Matt.
3: Uh, My favorite part was he had... uh... What I would describe as like a uh, child's teething ring, but the in the the ring instead of being full of plastic keys was full of uh, uh, plastic uh, balls that would be the size of testicles, and they were gradient size, so like they would go from small to large. And I was like, "Are you just go? Is that just to compare to see how big my testicles are?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Give it to me." And then I was like, "This one and this one, go." And he's like, "All right, we'll see." And I was totally right.
2: For those of you who've never heard of IVF, this is Matt explaining what it is in the simplest terms possible.
3: So it's about, it's making science babies. So for us, the in vitro fertilization of it all, meaning that the egg is fertilized outside of the body, uh, be it by just throwing some sperm on the uh, egg or f- actually in our case, we do ICSI, which is the injection of a single sperm cell into, directly into the egg uh, in an effort to sort of get the best possible quality embryo.
2: And that's called ICSI?
3: Yeah. I don't know what ICSI stands for. ICSI.
2: Yeah.
4: I have no I idea. It's
3: probably something very long and
2: Yeah.
4: There's
3: so many um uh there, There's so many acronyms in IVF that it's it's a little ridiculous. And we've sort of like tried to put a stop to the acronyms thing on the podcast.
2: Did you guys feel like blame or guilt when it wasn't working right away?
3: Uh no blame. Um guilt, sure. I've I you know, I've always had an element of guilt, as I'm sure Dory has. Uh because Jews and Catholics, we share a lot of guilt uh, between us. I think there was a an air of confidence we entered the first round of IVF with that uh I wish we didn't. Um really I was convinced it was going to work out of the gate.
2: Yeah. I remember I was listening to the episode right after you guys do that first round of IVF and you're both saying, or it might have been right before, but you're in the process of it. You're in the thick of it. And you say, I don't think we can go through this again. Here's Story and Matt on their podcast right after the first round of IVF. I just think about all the time. Just thinking
4: that like this... all of this stuff of having to like go through the next cycle and not know, like all of that, all mm-hmm. of those feelings, all of that uncertainty is going to be with us for
3: a longer period of time. Who knows how much yeah. longer
4: it's the, it's just the waiting and the, the uncertainty and not knowing if it's going to work in the end. Yeah. It's a lot.
3: It's a lot. You know, and I told, I told Dory that, you know, we'll keep trying as long as we want to keep trying. And then if we don't, doesn't happen for us.
4: We got like five more dogs.
3: We're going to get like four Ridgebacks. We're all going to hang out with Bo. Yes. And then we'll travel.
2: That was the first time. So like 70 episodes ago. And now you're on the fifth round of IVF. Do you feel like you guys were naive back then? Were you different people? Those people that were like, oh my gosh, we, we can't go through this. We, we can't do this another time.
4: It, not like you forget how bad it was, but you kind of are like, well... I'll just do it one more time like every time we keep saying we're just going to do it one more time
2: and that's the thing about infertility it's not rational it's not fair and you constantly feel like the goalposts are being moved further and further away you have no control over the outcome we're going to take a quick break here and when we get back we'll talk about how much this all costs spoiler it ain't cheap
5: 18 plus
2: so in addition to this crazy emotional and physical roller coaster trying to get pregnant is also wildly expensive guys does health insurance cover any of this no no (laughs)
3: <laughs>
2: so how do you pay for
3: it? Um, uh, we're still gonna get back to you on that. How it's gonna be fully financed, but uh, a
2: lot of credit cards.
4: Yeah, a lot of
3: uh, a lot of credit cards and a lot of zero percent balance transfer offers that we were getting. That we were sort of like uh, flipping things over to other cards and then paying off balances with no interest uh, over time. Uh, but it is.
4: Yeah, the and costs just are just seen. so astronomical that it's like I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, okay, just I think
3: we've probably spent a hundred and close
4: to a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, a
3: hundred and I think honestly, I think like if you count all my doctoring too, I think we're looking at 120, and
4: No, I don't think it's oh, that much. I do, I mean. We have, like, we have good credit, so we have a lot of credit available to us, which I think in some ways is a double-edged sword. <laughs> like, if we didn't have this much credit available to us, like, I don't think we would be able to pay for a lot of this. And We probably would have had to, like, shut it down earlier. But we're like, well, all right, we'll just put this round on this credit card, and we'll figure out a way to pay it off. Like, neither of us is great with budgets, so there's a lot of, like, well, we'll figure this out. And we've, like, sort of figured it out.
2: (laughs) Think about that for a minute. Money stress, health stress, wanting to make a baby stress and not being able to make a baby stress. It's so much. And Dory and Matt haven't even been married that long.
4: There have been times where it's been extremely stressful. I don't think we've handled it particularly well. I mean, we've handled it fine in the in the sense of like we've just like powered through.
3: As far as keeping Dory uh, her spirits up, I, you know, I don't know. I, am I even good at that? No, I don't think I'm great at that.
4: You're if I'm really down,
3: Oh yeah, sure.
4: you're good at it. but yeah. I have to be like. But
3: I also recognize when you're like, all right, come on. And then when you're like, oh, she's actually down. Yeah. There's a difference. You are, subtle. you
4: are hard to cheer up.
3: Yes, I'm very hard to cheer up because I'm in my own head all the time. Constantly.
2: And you don't like help. Guys, going through this, are there times where you're like, all right, this is hard, but I'm really glad that I chose you. I feel like I chose the right person to do this with.
3: Yeah, all the time. I don't, well, I, I don't ever question it. Dory might sometimes.
2: No,
4: I, like, Matt, When like we were saying before, like, when I am truly sad, Matt is very good at kind of making me feel like it's going to be okay, even if I don't know if he really believes that deep down.
3: Uh, I try to be very honest, so everything (laughs) I say, I believe. (laughs) Um yeah but uh i can't
4: uh also just the way he like is able to sort of inject humor into everything i think for someone like me who takes most things way too seriously that has been really good for me
3: (laughs) we've we've had many a fight over text message that she didn't know i was joking about and that's been a whole other issue
2: I'm very
4: literal. I
3: tend not to joke on text messages anymore, actually, between my wife and I.
2: Because there's no tone on text. D- text is the worst. Thank
3: I, you,
4: Joe. I know. Thank you, Joe. Like,
3: sometimes Thank it's you. like, are you insane? You actually thought that I was saying blah, blah, f- whatever it was. Yeah,
2: because there's no tone. <laughs> Thank you. All right, you get it. All right, fine. Fine, guys. All right.
3: Whatever. No more fun.
2: <laughs> Has keeping a sense of humor about this whole thing helped? Because sometimes you just have to laugh. Like you have to laugh at how crazy it all is when you're like, oh, my gosh, I thought we reached the finish line. And they're like, no, we moved the goalpost, fuckers.
3: Yeah, that was sort of the problem with our first IVF doctor. He didn't laugh at anything I said, and I found it crazy.
2: Yeah,
4: Matt was very offended. So that was one thing. But um, our, our new doctor laughs at all of Matt's jokes. She thinks he is hilarious. She's always telling you how funny you are.
2: During this whole process, Dory and Matt both had pretty stressful jobs. Dory was an editor at BuzzFeed for a long time. She's also an author of this great novel called Startup. Order it now. It's fantastic. Matt's a television writer on the show The Goldbergs. After the last round of IVF that they did, Dory actually quit her job, her day job, to cut down on some of the stress in their lives.
4: I think it's already had an impact on my mental health like i feel better overall i mean i think i'm generally happier than i was a few months ago but you know i'm still a neurotic person so so
3: there's also like the added stress of like oh we're down to one income yeah so then there's that like I mean, I'm layer you mean bringing of in
2: it. some money dude she's totally bringing in some money she also has another very successful podcast which she can plug right now it's called forever 35 thank you joe i'm a big fan Thank you. Let's take a break here. I'm going to go download the latest episode of Forever 35, and you're going to listen to an ad. When we get back, we'll talk about one of my least favorite topics, sex while baby making.
0: at LuckyLandslots.com.
2: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So this is something we have to talk about. There's nothing less sexy than trying to make a baby. I remember when I was trying to get pregnant and some of my friends that don't have kids were like, oh my gosh, how fun. You get to have sex all the time. And I'm like, it's the worst sex of my life. It's just, I mean, because it's stressful sex, not that it's bad sex, but it's stressful sex. So, guys, what about romance? Do you still feel romantic at all?
3: No, <laughs> we don't. We are we are in a, what I would describe right now as a uh, clinical uh, portion of the relationship that is clinical for as long as they need us to be clinical.
2: Do you think that's going to change after you have a baby?
3: Oh, you know. You,
2: you, I mean, and I'm asking that as someone who has a one-year-old and has no sex.
3: You know how great your sex life gets after there's an infant involved.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm hoping that at one point we're all going to be having good sex again, but I don't, I don't know.
3: Yeah, that's the dream, right? I mean, now it's like uh, the, 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 the sex is few and far between because we're so poked and prodded everywhere all the time. Like I'm going on Monday. I think they're going to shove a needle in my testicles next week. So
4: what? They are?
3: Yeah, I think that's. I think they're doing the biopsy next week. Oh, they are. I think so, honey. Oh my God! Breaking news.
4: Whoa! This is this (laughs) is new news to me, everyone.
3: (laughs) Well, it's it's new news technically because it only I only had a conversation with the doctor today. So it's not like I don't tell my wife things.
4: Well, I knew that we had there was an appointment on Monday, but I didn't realize there 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 were going to be needles involved. Well.
3: You know, anyway, so yeah, so that's, that's the, the IVF followed up with the uh, sex is never, it's just like, ugh, it's all ugh.
2: Did all this bring you guys closer or has it taken a serious toll on your relationship?
3: I think yes and yes, right?
2: Yeah, I think both. Yeah. I think
4: it is simultaneously extremely draining and difficult and also has brought us closer together. Um, We recently talked about this on our podcast because I I think someone might have asked us or Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly how it came up, but we decided that it had like, it had made our relationship stronger and it also was like really shitty. And at the end of the day, we like, it would have been better. We would have preferred to not have to go through this, but since we had to go through this, we have figured some things out, I think, about our relationship that we wouldn't have figured out till later. There have been a few episodes, especially recently, where we've kind of been in bad moods or fighting, and I was I was initially a little nervous about putting that stuff out because... I don't know. You know, you don't know how people are going to respond, but those episodes have actually gotten us like the most response. Like people are like, "Thank you guys for showing what this is really like and how stressful it is." And you know, it, it, it was it was interesting for me to kind of see that reaction.
2: I have a lot of friends who've gone through fertility issues through IVF and IUI and all of the other acronyms that I can't even remember right now, and. They all tell me the same thing. The worst question that anyone can ask them is the one that they get asked all the time. People ask them, why don't you stop? Why don't you just adopt? Dory and Matt didn't mind. They were very kind when I asked, but I still felt bad asking it. Will you guys ever stop trying?
3: We've always said, like, we'll stop after this, but then we always go, well, let's do one more. So I don't ever know that we're going to stop. We might be 70 years old, still trying.
2: At any point, have either of you wanted to call it and the other one hasn't? Have you been like, all right, maybe I can't do this anymore?
3: I don't think seriously. We have stress moments where we're just like, what are we doing this for? Yeah. I think at the end of the day, the end result, I think we both want a child enough to... Keep going. <laughs> Thank God we have a dog. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it it is what it is. I don't know. There's no answer to when we'll stop. I really don't know. Dory just nods. Well, you know, we did uh, we did a test last week that would determine whether or not we would just jump right into another round, which we were going to do before I would go back to work uh, on the Goldbergs, which would be the middle of May. But now uh, getting the results of that test, it seems like uh, the goalposts have moved yet again and uh, we're going to have to address some stuff with uh, my little uh, semen, and uh, then we will go from there. I guess really just looking to we're going to do another round uh, and we're just looking for a green light from a number of medical experts whom get paid a lot of money.
2: So much money.
3: Yeah.
4: But, you know, I am now getting older. And so if we if we want to create more embryos, then like we got to do that now. Like, I don't really think it's viable to do it. If I were to get pregnant, I don't think it's viable to do it again after I would have a child. Like if we if we wanted to have another kid at this point, I'm also sort of like
2: just one one healthy child would be great. Do you guys go into it now the same way that you did after that first round saying we definitely think this is going to work or can you not have any optimism at all? Can you not even talk about it in terms of an outcome? Or do you go in thinking, I think this is going to fail, and if it works, that would be a happy surprise? Can you can you even have expectations at this point? I feel numb.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we're so beaten to yeah. the ground that we're like, all right, whatever. It is what it is.
4: Yeah, like my sister was texting me earlier today and asking like, oh, or, you know, just kind of asking me when— when we were gonna do another round and I was like, I don't know, whatever. Like I I was just like "I, I I can't even I can't even fathom. Just it just all feels like okay. Like I'm I'm very just yeah, I'm numb about it.
2: I've listened to hours and hours of Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. It's not just a podcast about IVF, it's about love, marriage, commitment, jobs, stress, you know, life. But mostly it's about hope. The two of them are incredibly brave to keep doing this and to keep talking about it while they do it. They recently did another embryo transfer. Matt's really optimistic. This is him.
3: Monday was the transfer, um, which I will say I think went off very smoothly. Yeah, it did. And uh, that includes. As
4: transfers go.
3: Yeah. Uh, not a lot of poking and prodding. Nope. Um, it seemed to be a smooth, uh, shall we say, uh, smooth deposit. Yeah. And um, She
4: seemed to like how the embryo looked.
3: Yes. She said it was beautiful. <laughs> uh, beautiful as far as embryos go. If you'd like to see the embryo, you can. It's on my Instagram. If you thought people uh, putting ultrasounds on Facebook were annoying, wait till you see us put embryos that may not stick on Instagram. I think it was a, a worthy uh, attempt. I think it. I feel good about it.
6: This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. Special thanks to Matt Mira and Doris Shafir. For more information about their story, check out excellentadventure.com and patron.com slash excellentadventure. That's E-G-G-C-E-L-L-E-N-T adventure. This episode was produced and edited by Ramsey Yunt and Tyler Klang with mixing by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Mangesh Hatikader, and Will Pearson. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil with additional music by Pierce Murphy, Axel Tree, and Dr. Turtle. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or you can email us at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's j o at committedpodcast.com. Committed now has apparel. To check out the store, visit tpublic.com/committed. You can grab a copy of Joe's new book, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed with Joe Piazza has been a production of the House Stuff Works family, produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia.